three, four, five. Hey, this is Music Biz 101 and more on Brave New Radio 88.7 WPSC on the campus of William Patterson University. I am Professor David Kirk Philp here with Music Biz 101 and more. And on my right, your left, we have the esteemed Dr. Stephen Marconi. It is so great to have you with us, So Stephen. great to see you again, Dave. It is, it is tremendous. Every day that I see you, How I'm How was happy. your week? My, my week was tremendous. It was a tremendous week. And your holiday? My, ho- my Liberty Day holiday was very good. It was nice mm. to have the extra day off. It's very tomorrow. good. It's yes. been hot, though, hasn't it's it? It's been a very hot day uh, and, and week and month. And uh, people in California call us wimps right now because we have an Ed Rain with a month, they say. When it's years, then you can start complaining. Ah. Yes. Ah. So what are we doing tonight? Well, tonight we have a, a, a great number of guests, two of whom are late, but we won't bring that up. But as they, they can come in. We'll let the guests come into the studio. It's okay. And as they come okay. in and sneak in, uh, we will introduce our two producers. Why don't we do that? Producer number Good one. Idea. Behind the board tonight, Bianca Russo. Good to have you here, Bianca Russo. Bianca Russo, everybody. There we go. Producer, producer number two is Jess Frank. Jess, good to have you here. Always good to have Jess Frank here. Here we go. On Music Biz 101 and More. And if, if it's advice you're looking for to succeed in the music and entertainment business, Music Biz 101 and More is the only college radio-based and uh, broadcast and podcast in todos los Estados Unidos that provides you with the free tools for success that somebody like you needs. That song we heard when you turned us on at 8 o'clock was The World Is Ours. And that's by the Ally Mac Project and Dr. Stephen Marconi. As I was scrolling through Instagram today, I saw that Allison McKenzie, who is Ally Mac, is just completing her new album, and it's almost done. She's mixing ah, it. Yeah, that's wonderful. That is a very cool thing. And we should also remind everybody that you can find us all the time at MusicBiz101WP.com. That's where you should go. Sign up for our newsletter. You'll get a. Every Sunday at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, you're going to get an email from us all about the music biz. And then find us on Twitter. We've got a load. My phone is six pounds heavier because of all the tweets that we have for our guests. That's right. And you can find us on Twitter, at MusicBiz101WP. And you know what, Dr. Esteban Marconi? What is that? You can also find us on Instagram and the Facebook at the same address, at MusicBiz101WP. And on iTunes? This is going to become a podcast, Dr. Stephen Marconi. Oh, it's Marconi. not a podcast it, it, Right now we're live and we're loving it. But when it does become a podcast recorded for infamy's sake, we are going to be able to be found on Stitcher, SoundCloud, and iTunes. And the uh, archive will be on Our iTunes website. And, Everything's on uh, iTunes now. Yeah. It will be. Okay. It's all there. It's there now, except oh, for this. This is even the old ones. Yeah, all the old ones are there. Yeah. Great. And uh, the new ones, like this is going to be a new one. So why don't you introduce our three incredibly awesome guys? Are you guys smiling? I want the guests to smile. Come on, Gus, come on. It's been a long day, but that's all right. We only right, miss- we've had them here all day. And we, of course, have Dave Laurie here, who's been a friend of the department. And he's been a visiting expert a few years ago. He's been on the radio show, I think, uh, a little over a year ago. It was great. You can find that podcast on iTunes. Yes, it was a very good podcast because we got him on a uh, on a speed uh, question, didn't we? At the, at the very end, yeah, we did. Yeah. And you ran out of questions. Yeah. But not today, Dave Laurie. So the uh, the esteemed Dave Laurie, who's acting uh, tonight as a co-manager. And then we have Cal with us, who's the other co-manager. Hello, everybody. Ah, and he is also um, a very esteemed music in- music industry personnel person. 
<laughs> person that person. And then we have our guest artist, who Dave Laurie tells me that um, he actually met you when you were 14 or 15 years old. Yeah, I was, I was that young. And you're at it still. She's Here not that old. I'm not only saying that. Here I and am. And that's Lon's <laughs> Pierce. Pierce. Say hello. Hey, everyone. What's up? <laughs> All right. David. Yes. We're going to begin. So why don't you guys, the first question is, so we have Lons Pierce, who is uh, rap, or would you say rap or hip hop? I would say hip hop. I mean, it's, it's What's hip hop. What would you say the difference is between rap and hip hop? Um, so I would like to think that the hip is the rap and the hop is the pop. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's funny because I, I had a class last night. I, I teach a graduate class about yeah. social media. We have an MBA in music management program. And we had that discussion in class. The difference between rap, I was telling them that you guys were going to be on the air and we had this rapper on the air. But then I said, maybe she's hip hop, but I'm not really sure the difference. So. Do you know what the acronym rap stands for? No. See, I, I get to teach something to the teacher right now. Um, <laughs> it actually stands for um, rhythm and poetry, or some people argue oh. rhyme and poetry. So um, I'm always going to be at the core, you know, and I am a rapper, a rap artist, and that's what I fell in love with with the genre. But, um, you know, in today's day and age, there's just so much melody out there, and, you know, I love melody. So to not infuse that, that pop element would just, it wouldn't be being true to myself either. So I'm, I'm both. Great. Do you want to play something of her? Uh, I don't First. think we have. There is a lot of uh, explicit content, mm. so uh, all of it is. We no, we I, we had. We should have. I didn't know that. You know, I definitely have like the clean versions. Yeah, I thought we had clean. Yeah, did, we have Did you guys clean. have any clean versions here? No. On, it's on <laughs> iTunes. Clean versions are available on iTunes, guys. That's right. And what, right. why don't you tell us the names of the the the, the album that you have that's that's out? Uh, yeah, for sure. I have a current EP. Uh, it's called Editor's Eye, and it's available on all major digital retailers um, online. So that goes to iTunes. That's um, Google Music, uh, Google Play, Amazon, um, you know, Rhapsody, as well as on all the streaming service platforms. So Spotify, Pandora, as well. Yeah. And when you came into class today, we were listening to you on Spotify. Indeed. So go to Lons Pierce, L-A-N-Z space P-I-E-R-C-E, and you'll find all the music right there. Yeah, on yeah. Just Google the name, too, because there's a whole bunch of cool videos that I would love for people to see, and it, it all comes right up. But speaking of Spotify, since we bring it up, have you made any money from Spotify yet? I have, yeah. Hundreds of dollars. I mean, I'm not trying to pry, but yeah, I'm yeah, trying yeah. to pry. Yeah. You know, I mean, you're not making a living from Spotify. But you're I making... wouldn't say that that that's you know the the bread and butter. But um, you know, you you, you get checks. Yeah, I mean, for my dist my my distribution mm -hmm. deal. Yeah, for sure. Great. Okay. Great. Do you want to start from the beginning? The the fact of how Lons maybe Dave Laurie should start because Dave Laurie was there with Lons at the very beginning at the when Lons was 15. She's now 77. Yeah, years old. But, I just uh, have a young voice. Uh, she's a very young voice and, and three facelifts, but yes. uh, great she, she looks too. great. <laughs> well, Lon's uh, should tell her story better than I can, but she was on the streets at a very early age, going into clubs and uh, talking her way into the venues, and actually knocking the males off the stage with her her raps and and going in spitting and freestyling and all that. Um, she actually came to me about the age of 15. She was creating quite a bit uh, buzz around New York City. And uh, we did uh, eventually get her signed to Interscope. And she uh, did a national tour with Snoop Dogg. Um, so um, that was how we originally met. 
And then over the last few years, she's been working on new music. And and Cal, who I met when I was managing Lawns originally, Cal was uh, handling a lot of Grammy award-winning uh, producers, etc. Um, and I really liked working with Cal as a manager to manager. He really had his stuff together. He was on top of the game. He was on the streets. Um, I learned a lot from Cal during that time. And uh, and where we came through now, we just kind of reconnected over the last uh, year because Cal had been putting these projects together and managing uh, lawns. And uh, that's where we're at right now. Mm-hmm. Okay, so how did you meet Dave? Um, I always, you know, have these serendipitous moments that, like, have brought me together with the most influential people in my life. Um, I was on the, like Dave was mentioning, the whole underground uh, hip-hop scene in New York, which really doesn't exist the same way it did in 2005, 2006, where, you know, um, in order to get heard, you had to really go to their, there were certain, like, landmark clubs that you had to touch, Speed, Pyramid, Babaloo's, Downtime. Mm-hmm. And so I was, like Dave said, I was I was, I was, was literally probably every night, if if not even two a night, on, on any stage I could get to. And so there was a guy there who um, really took a liking to me, and he basically just passed off my uh, demo to... Um, Dave's current, uh, I think it was your assistant at the time, right, Nicola? Correct. Yeah. And and so the story goes, I guess, that Nicola really, the, his assistant fell in love with the music and then was badgering him for months and months, please just take a meeting, take a meeting. And he he, he kept kind of pushing it off until finally one day, just, I guess, so that she would do her job properly, <laughs> <laughs> took the meeting. And, um, you know, when, when, when I walked in, uh, to meet Dave, Dave likes to tell the story that I was this precocious little, probably little bratty, punky kid. And I, you know, I sat there and I told him, yeah, listen, if you don't get me a, a deal by the time I'm a record deal, by the time I'm 16, you're just you're just not the guy because I'm there, <laughs> which is which is pretty funny. And guess what, guys? He did deliver. I did actually sign to uh, Interscope and Jimmy Iovine when I was 16. Yeah. So how yeah. are you getting in these clubs? though? How, I mean, I mean, you know, uh, I would I would think that, you know. You know how it is. Kids are we're 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 resourceful. I mean, right, everybody I has like sure. a you know a guy who has a fake ID, who has a fake ID, who makes a fake ID, whatever. I mean, um, but um, you know, I was really in there for the right reasons. Though I I, I wasn't I, I really wasn't in there for for anything other than like I just really wanted to be heard. You know, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. and and I think that's part of my whole story too. I was able to kind of steer clear of all those um you know temptations and all those things that come along with it. And mm-hmm. but more importantly, because this is a, a music business program, when we were in the management class today. I said a couple uh, years ago, a student asked me a question, said, how do you pick an artist you sign? And I'd never been asked that question before. And Lons is the epitome of that. It's how they walk into a room. They light it up. You, it's an attitude. Yeah, you know I, what I mean, Cal? Yeah, I, 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 I definitely agree. I think it, it, there's an it fact that when you find an artist that you know, um, I, I've actually been blessed to be around a lot of talent over a period of time. And... Um, it was always the the intangible that I would say was the the, the factor. I remember when I met Lons. Um, I think we were. I was actually in a session. I believe we were doing. One of my clients was doing. I think we were mixing a Jay Z record with Beyonce, and her publisher, who was actually. Um, trying to sign one of my clients to a publishing deal, kept bragging, kept mentioning um, lines to me. So um, my producer wasn't able to go to the session, to, to the meeting, so I said, let me go take the meeting myself. So happened, Dave had to run out, and it was just me and Lons in the meeting. And at, at that moment, I, I, you, get that, you get that feeling when you see someone and you're like, okay, 
this person has it to the point where I kidnapped her after the session, after the meeting, <laughs> and took her to the session with me over to uh, Sony Studios in Manhattan, which no longer is open now. Um, and I just to say that is just, it has always been the it factor. I can I can pinpoint a couple of artists who just walked in the room and you just knew it. It's something electrifying. It's it's it, it's so natural. It's just in the it's just in their DNA. You know, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. so I, I think it's 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 rare that you find those things. But when you do it, you can identify it every time you can see how sometimes I sometimes I'll take a step away and just watch everybody else and how they react mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. as they walk into the room and see their heads turn. And that's when you kind of say, OK, there's something there. So, um, yeah. Yeah. Great. And, and last time Dave Laurie was on, he told the story of Jeff Buckley. And Jeff, when you talk about attitude, and you had talked about Jeff Buckley with the live shows, and um, he did a, show, a particular show or series of shows, and people were, were not reacting the way he wanted them to react. And you said, you got to bring a swagger. You have to bring that attitude. And you said it was a year or two later, after 100-some-odd shows, and he was the whole audience was chasing him all around the whole Paul. Well, here's the funny thing about Lons. Lons had the attitude when I met her. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. She didn't have. She had been building it up in the club. So when I met her and she walked in that room, she didn't have to build it. Most artists have to find that. They don't know what it is. She had already found it long before she got to me. Mm-hmm. So, so you have this arrangement of being co-managers, and we have a lot of people who have tweeted questions. And one of the questions is, Lons having co-managers. Who, who does the day, you know, ex, explain, I guess, the arrangement between the three of you and who you're dealing with for what and how you guys don't step on each other's toes and where your strengths and weaknesses lie and how together you became. So I'll say this. Um, so Lons and I, we, we had initially kind of jump started this uh, this whole process for the next for the last three years. Um, and as it got bigger, I, I think the one thing that you me, my learning lessons in the business has always been. Um, identifying your strengths and identifying your weaknesses. I think that's such a key component in, in the music business. I think a lot of people take on more than they can chew. And um, the best thing to do in those situations is find pieces that can complement. And and there was a familiarity already between me, Dave, and Lons. Um, and I thought that, you know, I thought that the, the ideal of the situation potentially could work because of there's definitely a lot of familiarity. So when you ask, uh, the day-to-day is, is is me. But, you know, Dave's definitely involved in, in the day-to-day because there's so many different pieces involved in the day-to-day outside of, you know, uh, you know this. We're, we're, right now we're embarking on a, this festival, Austin City Limits, which is probably uh, less than a month away. So Dave and I are really communicating daily just to make sure there that those pieces are in place because I mean it's a big platform. We're talking a hundred thousand people every night. And to be blessed to be have Lons perform headlining BMI stage is great. So uh, you know, obviously with that being said, just to be very transparent, you know, the management situation is something that is is something that I I believe that I'm growing into becoming that great manager mm-hmm. but i also identify with where i came from i came from an r perspective i came from being a music guy um which is a benefit for myself because i can i can wear both sides of those hats but you know when you're looking for experience dave definitely has that experience from that perspective you know he's been in the business for some time um 
you know, and it, it, it's it's great. You know, I think the one thing that that I think makes the dynamic work is Lon's. I think it's rare that you meet artists who can identify who are business savvy. I can say that. I, I definitely think we're we're embarking the next generation. We're gonna have a lot more kids, a lot more artists who are gonna be a lot more business savvy. True. Yeah. And I think um, it's just the tide changing. You know, ten years ago, five years ago. Artists just came in the studio, just came in and recorded music and just went out there, smiled in front of people and and, and did what they needed to do from an artistic standpoint. I think it, because there's such an entrepreneurial sp- spirit in a lot of the artists of today that they're taking on more. And, and a lot of it is because there's a lot more direct artist to consumer relationships. You know, the manager doesn't really have... Uh, the same impact it did back in the day, you know, because a lot of it is like social media, you know. Mm-hmm. If a, if an artist needs to talk to a producer, you know, they talk through Twitter, they talk through Instagram. Mm-hmm. If if you know, and and it's just the connection is a lot more easier. So I I say, um, the the artist dynamic is definitely growing a lot more, and I, I think this dynamic is definitely evolving every day. So it, it's it's. It's 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 a good feeling to have you know people who you can bounce ideas off of and and uh, you know not every day is some days we don't necessarily see eye to eye but within every relationship that's always the case um, but the biggest thing is we have the ultimate goal our goal is to break Lance Pierce as an artist and I think that's always the biggest the biggest objective for us in this situation. Cal's actually a little humble. Okay, the guy has brought this thing to a head. Um, my job with Cal I, and Lawrence is I feel is more of a stay out of the way and add things as needed because they, he's done an amazing job as a manager with this project. And creatively, he's, he's more creative than I ever was as a manager. I'd probably say more of my strength on this project is just having seen a lot more deals over the years or you know, done a lot more tours or international. So if I could help him with that, and I think it's more just somebody that he can trust that he can say, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? So it's more instead, it's more being supportive of him, but he's very humble in that regard because he's done a fantastic job is what he's done with no money, with resources, contacts, and he's creative. So, um, that's how I see my role is more as a support system for him and lawns than um, and doing what I can to help it, them achieve whatever goal that you know the team wants. Well, Cal brought up a very good point too because the old model, which works still for some people, and that's to find a major deal and be indebted to them for years. But we've been preaching for the last two or three years. The model today is really just finding your passive fan and making them a fanatic fan. Yeah. So no. find that fan and make them active, then make them fanatic. And there's no one model to do that. And no. that's the beauty and the creativity of it today is that anyone who's really wants it and has that ambition can find some way to take a stab at it. Yeah, no, I agree. You know what the funny thing is? I look back and, and I, I just always have these thoughts when I go to sleep. It's so weird. It's like... I think back of the artists that of yesteryears, like the 90s, and there was a lot of things that I never really understood till I really got to meet those artists. Mm-hmm. Today, it's a lot more transparent. And when I say that, it's just the consumer can identify authenticity immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I felt like in the nineties, there was a lot of there was a lot of things that were hidden that, you know, we only find out in stories and books and and videos, you know, behind the music. Mm-hmm. Now it's so in front of you. You can pinpoint who you know is authentic and who's not. And I think that is a great re- relation to why uh, the independent platform is becoming bigger and bigger is because, again, it, 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 I think the consumer wants to find something that is very viable, right? And the reality is, is that if they can't relate to the artist, they're not going to buy. They may buy your single. Can but- I interject one thing? Actually, the consumer wants to find something that they feel like they discovered. That's really what it is. Like they, like kids today, we want to feel like we discover it because mm-hmm. what happens is, is like you know, viable is Taylor Swift. Viable is like you know the big artists that already you know exist. Like we know that they work. We know that you know that their music sells, and we know who they are, and they have a very very clear narrative, and and they're winning. And by the way, I happen to be a huge Taylor fan. So, but I think that you know that the the when I really speak to people who are totally unrelated to the music business and just music fans, when I speak to them, they're most excited about the artist that nobody knows yet mm-hmm. you know and and that's the difference i think where we are today which is is like in yesteryear if you were a new artist and you were on the come up people really didn't care it was like oh they're not big you know who you know that that's not exciting but what's exciting now is people want to discover the you know the the new guy buzzing the you know who's on a couple blogs people want to feel like it's almost like 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 um exclusivity is like the new class you know and, and share it and share it. it right and, and share it and that's yeah. And that's where social comes in, right? Because it's exactly. like a whole discussion. So now, now you get to be like, yeah, yeah, go back to my tweet, September in 2015. Right. I was on, yeah. I was on Lance Pierce before any of you guys. You know what I mean? That right. kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Let's go back because uh, we are going to spend a lot of time qu- asking Lance specific questions. But uh, back to to you guys for one sec, because Dave, you mentioned how, for example, there's certain deals that you can help facilitate or make, you know, a better deal than maybe um, Cal necessarily would have had the experience at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, can you give an example like at, at, uh, in the class today when you guys, we have a class called Modern Ten- Entertainment Company and we have uh, some top students who you guys were addressing today. You brought up the publishing deal that you guys have. Um, the, who is Lon's a pub, uh, who's her publisher? And Well, you- that that was a uh, deal I did earlier. I mean, with Lon's or with somebody else? With Lon's. Um, okay. You know, what Cal brings to me is the out-of-the-box thinking because mm-hmm. he's on the streets. Mm-hmm. You know, when you get, I don't care how great you are in the music business, you can be Irving Azoff. You're not on the streets, okay? You, you've got to have people that are around you, like Cal said today in the class, about having young people around him. He's always had young people around him. We always have. Um, you need that as you get older in the business. So it's probably a, a little more wisdom, uh, wording, um, you know, he's got his contacts in the business. I have mine in the business. Uh, mine might not be the hip contacts, but it might be the person that, you know, uh, like we're talking to a label of somebody that I hung out with for 30 years that's interested in lawns. So, you know, I can make that call in because of that relationship. Um, so it, it, it really, we play off each other quite a bit. It's not that um, experience is one thing, uh, but he has experiences in things I don't have experiences in. So it's, it's really the best co-management situations work. Like when I worked with Danny Goldberg, um, who was president of several labels, et cetera, managed, you know, Nirvana, et cetera. Danny, um, when we were working together, you know, my forte, he was more about the label and the publicity because he was a publicist for Zeppelin and, and things like that. And mine was more of the live stuff and the merchandise and, 
dealing with those issues. And we never really communicated on who was doing what. It was kind of like, and that's where I think co-management and, and, and we're gradually building to that. It's been a short time with Cal, but there'll come a point where there'll be certain things that as co-managers, you know that that's your role and they allow you to do that and you, you allow them to do that. And mm -hmm. that just takes time and working together. Mm -hmm. okay. When you did get, I'm sorry to backtrack, but no when problem. you did get a publishing deal, because then people are listening, they're saying, wow, here's a, a young, I don't want to say, un well, independent artist, you know, who did get a publishing deal a while back. Was that all because you've networked so well, you've known people so long, or what was it specifically that was able you were able to get a, a decent deal for her? Well, there's no way to get, there's no set way on how you get a label deal, a publishing deal, or whatever deal. Um, it has passion. I mean, I've walked into a label and gotten a deal on two singers and ever sang together, and it was a duet project. And you know, Bruce Lundvall played uh, at Blue Note, who's who was legendary, recently mm -hmm. passed away. God bless him. Um, that you know, he said, and I had a producer, Peter Asher, to do the project. <laughs> and I remember Bruce Lundvall. We were in the meeting about 20 minutes. He said, "Great, let's do the deal," <laughs> and I, my jaw dropped. And and. The girl said, well, what project are we going to do? What, what, you know, what type of music? He said, oh, we'll figure it out, Dave and I. <laughs> you know, it was like, but that's, so there could be that. There could be the, the artist that's already buzzing and selling records, which is more the norm today. Unfortunately, they don't take the chance to develop talent anymore, nor do you want them to develop the talent. Mm -hmm. You'd rather have somebody that creatively, and, you know, you have Cal here who's done A&R at, at a major record company, um, what's the difference of him doing it now with lawns than it is him being at a record company you know what the funny thing is i actually take pride in developing artists i <laughs> love it you know why because it, it i've always tried to show my counterparts in the business to identify something before it's identified to the world you know and i think those things are not done anymore i, I can name so many artists that um that that I had a part in that are currently like in today's, you know, upper echelon. And it's like, again, it was always believing in that factor. I think the one thing I always say that connects me to an artist is passion. Mm. I love a passionate artist. I think it's when you have someone who's willing to go above and beyond and fight for what they believe in as far as their, their music and their, and their belief in what they want to get across it it just it, it it it's injected in me. It, it just makes you feel like, I don't know. You know, I think Lons is one of those artists that that I've I, I always felt like she was passionate. And um, there's a lot of other artists that I've 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 come across that are passionate. I think that's the one thing that's always connected me when people told me that they couldn't do something. So um, it, it's it's actually you know I think from a creative side, I think the development portion is is definitely a fun piece for me. I think. It's it's not being done anymore, which is sad because I think labels would have a lot more of an advantage if they took the time to develop, you know, which means, you know, it's almost like stocks, right? You know, you get in at a low price and you, you rate and once as it builds, you know, you, your value goes really high and you look like a genius because you saw it in with, at its mm -hmm. lowest peak. Mm -hmm. So. Well, it's um, not just music, you know, I mean, the movie business is the same way. Yeah, totally. I mean, how many Marvel movies can we, you know, superhero movies <laughs> can we do? But we do, uh, speaking of passion, we're very passionate about the break we need to take. 
right now, which uh, is something that uh, we think everybody is going to love. So we're listening to Music Biz 101 and more. Brave new Radio 88.7 WPSU, the campus of William Patterson, the university. I am your professor, David Kirk-Philp, along with the good doctor. We'll be right back. Yes, the, the good doctor will be right back. Go, 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 go. You're listening. You're listening. You're listening. You're listening to Music Biz 101 and more. So, Dave, we're deep into the semester. How's it going? Great. You've been busy on Wednesday nights at 8 o'clock? Yep. Co-hosting Music Biz 101 and more with you. Who have our guests been? Indie artist and alum Lauren Marsh, PR guru George Dassinger, Rosie Lopez, president of Tommy Boy Entertainment, and Adam Kornfeld, Rod Stewart's booking agent. I miss them. Is there any way I can still hear their words of wisdom? Sure. Every show becomes a podcast that you can hear on our website, musicbiz101wp.com, or on the Stitcher mobile app. And it's all free. Who's coming up next? Grammy-winning producer Harry Wanger, Warner VP Dan Goldberg, Sean Rosenberg, the engagement director at Huge. Oh, that's big. <laughs> I get it. The guests keep getting better and better. Our listeners, too. That's Music Biz 101 and more every, every Wednesday, Wednesday at 8 p.m. Only on 88.7 WPSC Brave New Radio. Listening. You're listening. You're listening. You're listening to Music Biz 101 and more. something to say and we do have something to say because you listen to brave new radio and on radio you're listening to people who have things to say especially in this format which is the talk format because we're giving you free advice about the music business because you're listening to music biz 101 and more and we are back with the amazing Lons Pierce. I was going to not say Lons Pierce. I was going to say Dave Laurie or, or Cal. But Lon, we, have a, we have an artist here, actually. Quite the intro. Thank you. Thank you. Th- thank you very much, Lons, for being here. And uh, why don't we play a Lons Pierce song? We've been talking all about the business. We have uh, Dave Laurie and Cal. Nayantaki. Cal, did I say that right? Nayantaki? You, you did good. You yeah, did I've been, good. I've been you working did really well. hard. You did I've well. been working on that for like two weeks, how to say your last name. So it looks harder than it is pronounced trust me <laughs> i know it's, it's fun it's like going down a slide a great adventure we are listening to soundcloud yeah. we would be listening to SoundCloud. for sure for sure yeah. it's it's a it's a record off my current ep um editor's eye and the name of the record like you said is called do it to me i'm actually getting ready to shoot the video for that this friday um so that's exciting and that's the uh the uh second to last single off of this project and i'm going to move on to the next ep but um this is this is definitely one of the most edgy visuals that i'm going to have um, really minimalistic and probably, you know, intimate in terms of the way I want to shoot the visuals. Like a lot of times there's, you know, um, a lot of different sets and different shots and, and characters in the video. And this is just going to be really me and a camera, um, and a lot of intimate performance shots. Okay. And what, what we have, um, it's interesting because, uh, 
you mentioned the uh, minimalistic. I mean, you are you going to direct that video because you have directed some of your yeah. videos. Yeah, I direct all my videos. And do you write all your songs? Mm. Are you the sole writer of your songs? Uh, I mean, in terms of lyric and melody, yes. yes. And, mm -hmm. and then I collaborate with the you know the producer on the beat or the the track mm -hmm. and the instrumentation. Right. Okay. But yeah, I do write all my own lyrics and all my own songs. Which is great. Now, what I think is cool about you is you've been working yourself. You're you're thinking of yourself as a business. You know, mm -hmm. you're we've used the word entrepreneur a few times. You have your own business, your own company. Yeah. And we can actually. On yeah. LinkedIn, you're there, and not a lot of artists are on LinkedIn, especially with their own company. What is the name of your company? Sure, it's it's called Innovators and Aviators, and I like to call it our company because at the end of the day, um, you know, the whole thought process behind it is, you know, bringing the thinkers and the doers together, right? So you could be an innovator and you have all the greatest ideas in the world, but a lot of people have that and they can't make them come to life. So um, very much so inspired by like the Warhol Factory. It's about the do-it-yourself movement and having an in-house team of basically anything and everything that we would need. So that means graphic designers. That means producers that means our own studio that means photographers and whatnot so we have kind of like a factory to churn out um uh content that we're really proud of right great great so you want to uh, give him, give her a tweet while we're yeah. still yeah yeah why don't we do pulling this that up um a, a great uh, tweet for you it's a question from yasmin as here uh, she was in the class today, and she mentioned how inspiring you were. You actually, you're very good, both you and Cal and Dave, really good public speaking. And, and yeah. you, really, you went on, you gave some really inspiring stuff, so that was very cool. What is it about the being a do-it-yourself artist? I mean, you do have a team, but what is it about the whole DIY, unsigned, independent artist thing that you dislike the most? Um, that I dislike the most. You know what? Sometimes it's it's just like you know, as an artist, you just you you're so excited about what you're doing, and so you want everything out now. And you know, maybe with a label and a bigger platform, there's a there's more funding, there's more money, and you know, there's a direct connection to bigger platforms. For instance, if I was signed um, to a major, and for instance, it, my current album is out, I probably would have been on like Jimmy Kimmel, or I would have been on you know bigger platforms. Um, because, you know, I'm having the co-sign from, you know, a major company like a Universal to say, hey, put this artist on. Versus as an independent, you have to really be moving huge units or, you know, viral, like, you know, 10, 20 million to garner that kind of attention. So Now, you were signed, you mentioned earlier, to Interscope. Um, mm -hmm. How long ago was that? So I was signed when I was... Let's see, probably 2006. I was like 16, 17 around there, and uh, yeah, so I was signed. I was signed for a few years there. How did you? Two part question. How did you feel when you finally got that deal, and then you were dropped? Mm -hmm. So how did you feel when you were dropped, and can you explain how that happened? Because not a lot of people hear about the whole sure, I got dropped. Sure. Thing. See, I don't believe that I got dropped, but okay. that's a whole, that's, no, that's, a, that's actually that. a nuance. But um, what happened was, first of all, how did I feel when I first got the deal? Um, I felt incredibly uh, fulfilled because I was very intentional about what label I wanted to sign to. So I was never the artist that was like, yeah, I just want to get a record deal. I had studied to a T Jimmy Iovine um, and Interscope and all my favorite artists from Tupac, uh, Eminem, Gwen Stefani, even guys like Marilyn Manson who were just, they were just like, I felt at that time I was doing something incredibly different. Now there's more female, you know, young white female rappers, but then I felt like that was the only label that could even understand that, you know, and that could get that. Um, and and so, you know, getting that deal just was like the realization that literally anything you you, you visualize, you can manifest. So that was amazing. Um, and then it also, you know, it gave me the ability to, um, you know, to give back to the people I love. Right. So you get a nice advance and you, you know, you have money all of a sudden. And I was like a 16, 17 year old kid with like a, a stupid car. And, a, you know, sometimes you do stupid things, too. But um, <laughs> but um, 
Now, why do I not feel like I got dropped or did I not get dropped? Because I didn't actually. What happened was, is you know, um, I don't know how familiar these the listeners are with the way that labels work, but labels you know, went through a huge transition around 2007. And that was a time where, you know, the digital revolution was really taking place. And so the current A&R at the time that I had was in his own transitional period, and he ended up leaving the label. So I came off tour with Snoop Dogg, and we, we were supposed to go to radio with a single. And instead, Dave got the call like, hey, um, yeah, there's there, there's some issues. Why are there issues? It's because, you know, your A&R is leaving. Well, what that means is your A&R is your point person at the mm-hmm. label. And so when you're a guy who got the who got the vision is no longer there you 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 end up sitting there in limbo Mm -hmm. and um i had the best attorney at the time in the business and he had a clause in my contract which you know allowed me to actually also walk away from the label and walk away with a check so i didn't just get dropped like hey nice job see you later it was like hey we 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 overspent on your budget we don't know what to do probably not working and we're we we felt the same like we were stuck and we didn't have a, a a visionary who believed in it and so i walked away with a check Okay, well, that's really and the attorney. Um, how did you get? Was it Dave Laurie who hooked you up with that attorney in the first place? Yeah, um, Dave made the introductions um, early on to the whole professional team. So that would be the attorney as well as the business manager, and that's really to me what a great manager does. You know, if there's artists out there that are listening and they're thinking about. Hey, how do I know? You know, my cousin wants to manage me. Should I let him manage me? He loves my music, you know? Well, a great manager doesn't necessarily mean that they're a big name, but what it does mean is is that this person is going to help you create a solid foundation. And, you know, instead of trying to wear every hat, they're going to find the co-collaborators on the team that, you know, there's there's the um, uh, the, the energy is kind of dispersed and everybody has their specialty. And so that's what Dave did. Well, in fairness to Lance, I didn't just say, here's your attorney. I gave her several choices for attorneys, several choices for business managers. Mm -hmm. She's sharp as a tack. So she would meet with them. She would grill them. She would be prepared for those meetings. And she went in and then picked what she felt was best for her. Now, the people that we brought in, she couldn't go wrong with any of them. But it's more of a personal thing, just like it is picking a manager. So um, it, it's not about dictating to an artist. As we talked about in the class today, your job is to advise, counsel, guide, and direct, not dictate. Mm-hmm. Um, and if the artist is going to take is smart, like Lon's is, she's not going to make a bad decision. And if I do, you guys are right there to you know back it up and 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 help me learn from that because you know not every decision is a great decision yeah that's true like the stupid car you bought <clears throat> what kind of car was it by the way that you bought i didn't say the car was stupid uh. i just was stupid in the car <laughs> oh, uh. okay. <laughs> no she wanted to buy a car at 17 i said no that was the only time i think i ever said no right, to her in the right. whole career well at least i was smart i, I had to have a license first okay i i, I, I opted for the the cls 550 instead of the maserati so i was at least i was smart yeah right <laughs> that's a nice. few bucks here here and there. Now, Cole uh, Mozaleski uh, tweeted us and wants to know what drove you to be so driven uh, at, at such a young age and uh, go into as much as you'd like, you know. Um, yeah, I, I think that growing up with uh, the wonderful, beautiful example and my mother who raised me as a you know, single mother um, and seeing her really, really work really hard to, you know, put food on the table, keep a roof over her head and just, you know, uh, really instilled in me that, um, you know, as a young woman that I should always use my mind first before I, I used looks or I used anything else. And 
So, you know, I, I always just approached everything from um, a, a standpoint of, of wanting to make her proud and wanting to emulate the um, go-getter attitude that she had. So that it really, you know, it starts in childhood. And then I guess also, you know, just the love of, of the music. I really was just so driven by, you know, this I mean, it goes back to passion and love, right? Like it just, you know, I was so moved by by music that I knew I had to have a uh, a place in that, and uh, you know, I couldn't sit still in school. So, uh, you know, instead of and and I was saying this earlier, I was saying like perhaps if I were in a creative environment in a school, like you know, kids that are blessed to go to um, theatrical schools or creative schools, but the school that I was going to at the time, you know, was really just. Um, I, I want to say that the, the curriculum for a creative person was stale and it didn't nurture any of those things. Mm. And I think and I feel bad for a lot of kids that are out there. And I hope I get the opportunity one day to have, you know, a, a, a ton of money because I would love to put that into helping implement different creative programs in schools for kids that are, are stuck. You know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know about you, Dave, but uh, well, Dave has I have a 15 year old and you have a 14 year old. Yes. Both and girls. Isn't it? a st- I mean, could you picture? Even our kids are, are great and we're blessed with them, but I can't picture what she did at 15 and 14. No, my daughter is completely different from you in that. I, yeah. she, she wouldn't even know this to, to go into a club and, and yeah. to do the things you did. Which yeah, is right. I was 14, like literally cutting school, getting on a train from New Jersey, going deep into like the South Bronx or going into in, into into like Brooklyn and, you know, into the sty and like just trying to hang out with music people. And I, I was I was really lucky because thank God I was always safe. But um, I was I was a pistol. I was definitely <laughs> yeah. a, a, had a mouth <laughs> on me. Trust me. Joelle wants to know what's the best piece of advice of advice that you've ever received. Mm, yeah. Um, well, there's so many, and I, I think that's like a really hard question. But if I were to say something that is prevalent right now in my own life, I would say that you should always remember that how you think and how you feel becomes a reflection in how you live. Right. So, for instance, if you if you if you think and you feel like anything is possible or if you're if you're you know feeling like you know you have the capabilities that will literally reflect in a direct sense in your in your world so you know control your life and control your success starting from within uh jess who's actually on my left you're facing her uh tweeted in and she could have just asked but she decided to tweet and she said uh as a white female what made you want to get into the world of hip hop, and what do you think makes you stand out from the other rappers coming out of the DIY music scene? Yeah, well, great question. Thanks. Um, you know, I always have like a. I I understand that that's like what people see, right? Like I'm a a, a white female and all this, but I, I I always have a hard time with that question just because, you know, um, I don't relate to music from a gender base or from a, 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 a racial platform or from any of those things. Um, I relate to music because of feeling. And so, you know, for me, you know, why did I get into hip hop? I, I couldn't I couldn't tell you other than that's like that was what was, you know, that was what was booming in the 90s when I grew up. And that was what was around me 24 seven in the area that I grew up. I grew up back and forth from from living with my father in Queens and in and in Jersey and Edison. And that was just the music that was surrounding me. So, um, you know, and it drove me and it inspired me. And and, and um, I just I had no choice. Like you know, sometimes you choose your 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 life, and sometimes your life chooses you. Um, and and the, and the second part of that question was what? What, what um, as a white female rapper, what was the other piece of it? Oh, um, 
what distinguishes you from the other oh. artists in the do-it-yourself music oh, scene? Oh, right. Um, well, I, I think what distinguishes me the most is the fact that we talked about this earlier. Like, it's it's not just being a musician in the do-it-yourself music scene. I am a, you know, business owner and a entrepreneur as well in the do-it-yourself music scene and I have a company along with you know esteemed professionals that are guiding that ship with me and so I know when to I don't know they might disagree with me I know when to let them lead <laughs> and when to when to stop talking and let them talk but um you know for the for the most part I think that um that's really the, the most important thing. Bobby Mahoney wants to know what was the biggest challenge you faced so far in the industry and how did you overcome it? Well, I think the biggest challenge that I faced so far was that time period from when I was no longer on a major label to getting to where I am now. And that's because, you know, whether or not you, you're, it doesn't matter the terminology, if you leave a label or you're dropped from a label, the, the, the point is, is like, you know, you think that that is your launching pad and you put so much energy into that and, you know, and then it all kind of stops for a second and it stands still. And so, you know, it's 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 internally like getting the confidence back up. It's it's re I had to, you know, revamp um, my whole team. And then I had to also, um, you know, changed my whole mindset because you know when I first signed I was in in an industry that was a dying industry in the sense that it was all about the deal it was all about like you know make a good demo get a record deal and now it's just not that so I had a I really had to learn to you know rely and rest on my own laurels and uh, you know figure that out we haven't talked really much at all about the live part We've talked about recorded music. We've talked about the business. But there is a question uh, Justin Vitetta wanted to know. As a musician trying to get noticed, is it more about playing a ton of shows for you? Has it been more about playing the right shows? So talk a little bit, and then you can talk about Marty Diamond and talk about your live strategy mm -hmm. and, and how that's benefiting you and what the plan is going forward. Sure. I always say that I get the most new followers on any platforms of any social after a live show. And that's because, you know, people feel like they they really experience you and, and that's the true test so I would answer his question by saying that um, yes it is about playing a lot of live shows if you want to build your fan base in bulk you know if you want to if you want to go slowly then release a record here and there every every month or so on on the internet um, and hope it goes viral but if you want to if you want to really get a big push play as many shows as you can and for me um it's been about playing the right shows versus as many as I can it's been you know like Austin City Limits I'm headlining that BMI stage and so that's the difference between my, maybe playing like six clubs at, at 50 100 300 people versus playing you know one night in front of you know uh, 10,000 people you know and um and and that's where having an agent and having a great team comes into play yeah, I was going to say, you know, we talk about the the Austin City Limits and the BMI stage. How did that particular show come about for, is that natural for an independent artist to get that type of, of headlining event? Or is that, is this a rare thing and she's just You know what, special? I don't know if it's rare. I think, okay, well, let's just start back with the Marty Diamond question. So, Lons and I, we've been on this path for a while looking for the right um, agent to get on board. Um, and so happened, I think it was a conversation I had. I have, I have a lot of friends who manage another, a lot of esteemed artists. So we always have these, there's like this young managers coalition. We call each other and we just 
pick each other's brains if they ever need the if they're in Europe and I have a relationship, I'm I'm quick to extend my relationships. I believe that, and that's another thing I think with the music business. I think sometimes I, when I came up, I felt like all the older guys were so afraid. They hold they held on to their contacts for dear life, and they looked at you if you tried to steal a contact. Me, I don't think that. I believe that if you share your resources, everything comes back full circle. So I've always been that person, whether I was an A and R or whether I was a manager. So the, 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 the Marty Diamond thing came about was I have a good friend who is um, who manages a, a, a notable artist right now who's actually a, a young new artist who's doing who's really making a lot of noise. And we were just shooting the shooting just shooting the shooting the just regular conversations and he had saw Lon's perform at eight three C Festival in Atlanta a couple years ago and he always always would ask me how's that going? And then, you know, the conversation came about about the agent thing. And he was like, you know what I'll do for you is let me just connect you with my guy, Marty. So he put us on an email and um, we set up the meeting. Marty, it was ironic. It's just so weird. It's just like we came in the meeting and he canceled the rest of his day because he just fell in love with Lons. And he was going to L.A. And then I believe we were going to L.A. And he was like, look, we're, we're all, actually we're going out for Grammys. And he was out there for Grammys with another client. He was like, let's sit down when, while we're in L.A. So I remember the day, literally it was the day after the Grammys, we met him at the Lermitage in, in Beverly Hills, had breakfast with him. And he just was like, I want to do this. I, I just, I'm, I'm, I'm a true believer. Again, it's, there are, there's a very small percentage of people who jump in in the early stages. I, I truly, I love those guys in the business. I genuinely do because everybody, yeah, everybody just is now at that point. It's like they wait for it to hit this this plateau, and then then it's just like a bidding war. And I'm just like, what happened to those guys who were willing to take the shot and take the chance? And Marty is one of those guys, and um, he really was passionate about this. And the first thing he said was like, let's get these festivals. So we shot after a bunch of festivals. Austin City was one, um, and Mark, Mark, Mark Mason, and and the rest of the team at BMI, they were like, "We're gonna give her the headline platform," and we were just like, "Wow, this is great." So, um, it, it's it, I think it's all blessings. I think it's all uh, synergy. I also think it's it, it was meant to happen. Um, so I think it was it was great. But Marty has been very very. He's he's an important piece just just alone for his history of what he's contributed to the business. Um, we're starting to build the relationship extensively as we go further. I think this first stage, Austin City Limits, and Dave is 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 come in, and Dave's Dave's expertise is the live elements, which is what helps me out a lot. Is he has a lot of relationships in that world, and we're now pushing and treading forward as far as shows going into not only the festival time, but going into wintertime, CMJ, South by Southwest, uh, Lollapalooza, um, hangout festivals and so forth and so on. Again, what Lonza said, it's really about the right shows. We, uh, you know, we're going to perform in New York very shortly, but we have a couple of scenarios, SOBs, uh, uh, Bowery Ballroom and so forth. Um, and we're excited about those, but it's definitely about pinpointing the right platforms, 
I think a lot of artists, well, not a lot of artists, but some artists, it's okay. It depends on what the genre is, too, I would say. So if you're an indie band, you, you, you're you just gigging. Where You're just trying to gig wherever you can gig, you know? Mm-hmm. As a hip-hop artist, you just want to really be gigging and align yourself with those guys who are moving forward. So I would say that's the, that's the difference in, in genres. Because um, I, I used to work with an indie band and, 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 and just watching them just like every night just gig and it's like one fan, two fans, five fans, ten fans. Hip-hop is a little different. You can actually gain real fast of fans because there's bigger platforms. Like Lons did uh, Sway in the Morning. I'll never forget she did Sway in the Morning. And, and just off that show... Our Twitter feed was just like blowing up and we were like this is crazy like I cannot you know and it was just and I think that really helped charge you know and and push people to say this girl is really really good and um but the live shit the live the live element is everything for us I think it's it is going to be everything I, I I think the, the other piece of the puzzle for me when I look at an artist is can they perform I think it's a lost art, you know? A lot of kids don't really take it serious. And when you do find an artist, well, let me just take it back. See, I came up with a guy named Buster Rhymes, who every time he got on that stage, he made sure he killed it. I never forget, we were in Vegas. He was on this tour. We were on this tour with him, Jay-Z, 50 Cent, Missy Elliott, all these big wigs. And he's backstage. He's like, I'm going to body every single one of them. That night, he made... He had everybody coming in, his, in in the dressing room like he's amazing, and ever since that I and I, I I could always identify with what great artistry was because it's all about that performance, and this girl does have it. She has a lot of energy on stage, and 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 I think that's going to be a separation as well, not only just with the music. It's really really, and I think the the other pieces we're building a real great dynamic with her. I mean, we have different variations. We have her with the DJ, but we've also done fashion. We've also done shows with with a full-on band, which is phenomenal. Um so it's rare. You don't really see that in hip hop with full-on bands, especially from a female perspective. So mm-hmm. it's 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 great. And Dave has also mentioned uh off air, you know, this morning when we were talking about the international, you're setting things up in Australia and, and France, right, for the new uh, well, record? Well, yeah, I mean, I was brought up, and uh, Dr. Marconi knows him very well, Richard Broderick, who actually started the careers of Rice and Weber, and, you know, yeah, he's since passed away. But he, he said, you don't have to be Madonna. You can be big in France and make a living. So my attitude has always been... If record companies are funny, they always said overseas, they'd say, break in America and then bring it over. And then once you break it in America, they go, well, it doesn't necessarily fit in our market. My attitude is if it's going to work in France, it's going to work in France. So why not go for France? And so, and they're a much more loyal audience. So um, I, the American audience is very fickle. Uh, it's always been that way. I mean, that's one thing that doesn't change from old school to new school um you know you look at the careers of some of the biggest artists like bon jovi bon jovi was selling out wembley when he couldn't even get arrested at you know mercury lounge here i mean literally Mm -hmm. he couldn't play (laughs) he couldn't sell out anything you know i had kiss it was the same way um country music's the same way i mean it's probably the only uh genre that has a loyal fan base uh off one hit single 
But getting back to what Cal said, as far as the live standpoint, and um, you know, it was funny when we got that show. You know, Cal was on the phone when he knew I knew the president of Jody Williams down in Nashville. <laughs> he says, "I want this festival, I want that festival, I want that festival." That you know, because BMI does all these festivals. Mm-hmm. So he called me. He said, "I need you to reach out and get all of them." You know, mm-hmm. it wasn't like one of them; it was all of them. So you know, and he's pestering we, me. We everywhere. try and shoot for the skies every time. <laughs> yeah. It's it's the no, only that's way what I do. love about him. But you talk about how the co-management thing works. Yeah. You know, um, that's how it works. But even with that, I mean, the worst thing that could happen when you talk about shooting for the stars, you know, the worst thing that could happen is somebody says, no. All right. At least you asked. You, at least you tried yeah. and you, you put, you know, you did your best to get it. I think a lot of people are afraid to hear no. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't believe no is a no. I mean, a, a no is just not yet. No, not yet right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you just got to keep pushing. And I actually get excited when I hear someone tell me because I want to prove them wrong. So, um <laughs> It is something I, I think the conversation that we all have is we can't accept no in any circumstance. So uh, that's just the model for us, you know, continue to knock down doors and we'll find a way in the room no matter what. I think there have been uh, if, if people are listening hard and kind of listening through the lines, we're talking a lot about sales. You know, we're talking about selling an artist. You know, we're not not necessarily uh, in in retail, but we're talking about how to make the sale to get, we talked about earlier, the, the different deals, the publishing deals, or to get the BMI uh, show, or to get, uh, how, how am I going to sell myself? So I'm 15 years old, and I want to get hired at this, at the Quad, was that the studio? Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. you know, uh, yeah, go on. But, but we talked about, sorry, we talked about attitude, you know, we've talked about um, the passion and the, and the work ethic. And I think you and I might have been talking a while ago about uh, the work ethic is probably the one thing when we talk culturally now that a lot of people don't have because they see it um, in the social media. You know, they, they think if I have 50 retweets of something that I've made it, you know, and they don't understand that that's there. It's over. Mm-hmm. Your 50 retweets are done. Now what? You know, yes, and it, it, there's a lot more to it. No, I, I, I have, you're, when you're spot on, you're spot on. I have nothing to say, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, and uh, just about every guest we've had for the last two and a half years has mentioned that word passion, mm-hmm. that the yeah. importance of passion, mm-hmm. both from the artist and just being in this business. If you don't have the passion to be in this business and think of it as another, just any other business, you're not going to get anywhere because you're going to be seen uh, and discovered. <clears throat> right, right. And... Uh... We should really start closing down now because it is uh, just about the 9 o'clock hour. Anyone can check her out on YouTube or Vivo or any of the platforms. Spotify. Uh, we hope uh, you do. Yeah, if you want to hear or just. Do it to me. So let's have it go as we go because we do have to get out. So we'll, we'll say goodbye and then we'll play this. So uh, you have been listening to Music Biz 101 and more. I'm Brady Ray 87WPSC and Campus Ray Patterson University. And next week. Next week, our guest is Michael Simon, the president and CEO of the Harry Fox Agents. Correct. So that's very cool. So we want to thank Dave Laurie. Dave Laurie, why the Dave Laurie artist man. Cal Nayantaki. Easy to say. Got it right. And easy to love, Cal. We also want to thank, of course, Lons Pierce, who is awesome in almost every way. Shake it out, man.